The Cogent Code Podcast, logical and convincing, a deep dive into the standards and rules we live by in today's society. I'm your host, Akil Bechtimba, and my co-host is Sia Parker. Welcome back to the Cogent Code Podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk about our understanding and opinions on the term and action imposters syndrome. For many of us, we've heard it more commonly known as fake it till you make it. So Sia, let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah, so this one's an interesting topic because it's coming up quite often in the business world. But um, I'm going to say what the Webster's Dictionary uh, of Imposter Syndrome is, and then I'm going to tell you what the people of color call it, kind of how we refer to it in the Urban Dictionary because it's a a little bit different. So imposter syndrome is commonly understood as a false and sometimes crippling belief that one's successes are the product of luck or fraud rather than skill. A real term for when people feel like they are faking it but aren't. So... For people of color, a lot of times we'll say, well, you got to fake it till you make it. So that means in the Urban Dictionary to act like you are something so you can, in fact, become that thing. Right. Um, so um, so I had no idea her parents were were. Oh, I'm not even going to read this part. <laughs> we're we're trashy as they always acted so classy. Mm-hmm. Fake it till you make it. So basically when, you know, showed up as classy folks, but they end up being trashy. You know what I mean? But um, we were having a little bit of a debate before we we press record tonight, because I think Akil has a little bit of problems with even the thought of imposter syndrome. I think that the for me is so it's a new concept to me. Let's just, you know, being fully transparent here. It's a very new concept to me as far as this terminology goes and the definition and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, I've heard the terminology fake it till you make it. But I think the thing that got me the most about the definition of imposter syndrome is kind of the word of or or, or the 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 idea of being fake at any mm-hmm. point. And I know that we, we, you know, we've talked about it before, like we wear, you know, we wear certain, uh, you know, we do what we have to do in order to engage in, in certain environments that we, you know, that we need to engage in, especially as it, as it relates to our business. So, um, you know, but the, the, the fake it till you make it like, I like the, I think our debate started about where we talked, where I was like, well, if you prepare and you have, you know, you have the capability, listen, you don't have listen. to be fake. So yeah, go, what Le- were you saying? Listen, let me just tell you folks, uh, Akil is the keep it ring- real king. Like he thinks that everybody needs to just keep it all the way real and all the way 100 all of the time. Yeah. But I was trying to tell him that that's just not the way that it is for most people in life, that there are some things where as people of color, I was saying that a lot of times we're, we, we're taught, um, especially at a very young age, if you have parents that are really paying attention and really trying to build up your self-confidence, they're going to go on and say, you know, you can do anything. Don't believe right, what other people right. say, especially because I think people of color suffer from um, like the world always constantly doubting them. So I think our parents put a, a, you know, 20 on 10 and just tell us yeah. like everything is, is great just because they know. Yeah, you know what's going to happen later. So I think that some of us have, I would say, an artificial sense of confidence because I think confidence confidence mm-hmm. is very necessary, especially for all the things we will face later. But I will say that uh, 
you know, you can't, you're not always keeping it a hundred percent real. You're right. sometimes it's 80%, 70%, depending on the environment that you're in. Cause you can't keep it really real. Like we were talking about that one time when keeping it real goes wrong, you know what I'm saying? Where, <laughs> yeah, exactly. where people just exactly. really think that they need to be at 100 and they need to really be at 50. You know, you can't, right. Well, especially if the 100 is not is is foul or or not correct. Right. Like if, if, you know, like on that example, like, I mean, you just sometimes you, you know, you're not right in that moment. So maybe keeping maybe keeping your, you know, your opinion until you have a, a chance to think it out or, you know, certain activities or actions that you might take in a situation may not be, you know, good for you in the long term. So you don't. So I guess, you know, so is that the, is that not keeping it real when you like, like, for instance, we talked about certain things in certain care. Remember our Karen episode about certain times where, you know, you might have be dealing with a Karen straight to your face and, you know, your inside instinct, you're keeping it real. One thousand want to, you know, take certain actions, but but your, but your conscious is like, wait a minute, I don't, that's not going to be good for me long term. Yeah, but you know, I, I do think, you know, for for uh for people of color again, I think that we a lot of times um live in a, in two different realities all of the time, especially in corporate America or any kind of America pretty much where you're being put in a situation where uh maybe speaking sl- with slang, slang or or right. changing your dialect a little bit or, you know, just being more relaxed yeah, code switching or being more yeah. relaxed in your environment just doesn't really suit that environment. So you, you you keep it inside. So I think for for the most part, I would say like out of the week, I'm always authentically who I am. Right. However, uh, it's probably like CS6. Yeah. And then like later on it's CS9. You know what I'm right. saying? So it's like you, it's situational. you're going to get. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, you yeah. turn the knob different different direction. But what about the part? So, so I think what you just said though is kind of where what I was thinking just about the fact that I, yes, I I operate uh, a certain way in different um, circumstances and situations and groups. But at the same time, you just said you're like you're you're always you. You're always authentic. You just know how to, um, you know, how to operate in certain environments. Yeah, but, but that doesn't imposter- mean. But see, you have the capability to do that, right? So, so the imposter syndrome thing. What about it? Well, saying what about the piece of it that's talking about fraud, like you being being a okay. fraud until you're not a fraud? Like, I don't. I'm not. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to learn as I go, example. but I'm not going to be a, ever no. be a fraud. I'm going to give you a perfect example. So okay. sometimes for for women, uh, and, and this is a, a they've they've done studies on this. Women will not go for a position unless they feel like they're hundred percent qualified for the position where they have studied men and men will go for a position when they're 60% qualified. Um, and so they, they believe the other 40% that they can learn on the job. And a woman, a lot of the times believes that they have to have all the qualifications before even applying for the job. But so in, in that case, or in that sense, is that a reality uh, or is that perception? Is that, I mean, I, I understand the statistics, that, but is that perception? Is that, you know, I think that 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 I have to have a hundred percent, or is it that they actually have to have a hundred percent? Because I think no, that I you think, have you have well, employers that are like, if these are all the things that I need in this role, but where do I, you know, I'll take 
80% of this and I can teach the rest of it to the new, if the person is good. Well, I mean, I, I do think that that's truly what employers are probably thinking when they're writing the job description. Right. However, from our microaggression episode, um, mm. I, I was speaking to you about how when Harvard did the study on attributes that um, people would think were more positive when it came to mem- women and men, right. they tended to think that the attributes that were more synonymous with being a man were more positive. So in in that sense, I think that, yes, an employer might want just 80% of qualifications, but I'm wondering if they would measure that 80% or that 70% the same if the candidate was a woman or a man. Uh. That's right. Because mm-hmm. because if you think about it, sometimes like for for when a man is kind of being, in a you know, uh, is saying their opinion and being outspoken in a meeting, he's called, you know, he's he's going after it. Or yeah, he's, he's, he's you know, ambitious, he's ambitious. He's, he's yeah, right. He's but when driven. a woman does it, yes, it, it's yeah. sometimes like she's being aggressive. Mm-hmm. She's being too pushy. Yes. You know, so I think that the. I, I think from a gender perspective, um, it definitely um, in the, in the question about employers, I think it does show up differently depending on who the hiring manager is yeah. and what what they think is um, satisfactory for the minimal of being in that role. But imposter syndrome tends to um, be something that a lot of people suffer from that are high achievers. Yeah, that's know. what I noticed in the in the in the uh, definition that was. Interesting, because I, I was I wasn't understanding. I was like, wait, so what about high achieving people that and it, it is just so maybe it's it's the ambition, right? Maybe it is that, like you said, that I I I can do. I know that I can impact this potential this potential situation or or opportunity in a in a real major way with my skill set, right? So yeah, but, I'm gonna go yeah. after something that you know, may say, you know, that they have, you know, these few additional requirements that I know that I need to learn. And that's what we're talking about, right? Is, yeah, because, still... I, you know, I have an A-type personality, you know, right, I like right. to do things I and, and achieve. And I think also for people of color, I think it's important to point out that um, there's a lot of added pressure on on you, especially as you achieve in your career mm-hmm. to show up a certain way and to be better than just ex- expected to be because you just don't want to mess it up for anyone else. And you don't want to change their opinion or reinforce any stereotypical opinions they may have about the p- people of color. So I think that that's an extra added layer, but with, mm-hmm. with people who have a type personalities or people who are used to being overachievers, right? When you get into a position where you don't have a hundred percent of the qualifications, mm. the percentage that you don't have shows up in interesting ways. So there's like a couple of ways that the imposter syndrome shows up. Like you either talk about um, you either become the expert, like what they call the right, expert. So right. you um, you're looking to validate successes. You're you, you feel like you're never good enough because you're used to being the expert. Uh, you feel complacent and you're easily discouraged, right? Because you're not so you, going so to be that. Would you say that that person is kind of needy? Like they need, they need uh, uh, accolades. They need recognition for every little thing that they do. Do they, I mean, is that what that, that person kind of? I think that they feel like they need to be the expert and they're not satisfied because they're not the expert. So they, uh, 
wanting to know everything about the subject and knowing that they don't have it. They continuously hunt for new information, which, which prevents them from completing the task that mm. they were set to do because they have to be expert at it. Um, they avoid applying for jobs because they don't meet all the requirements, just like I said. So the expert is shows up sometimes in imposter syndrome because this is their need. This is how, right. how they are. Right. Um, there's the perfectionist. Okay. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows one of these people because they're micromanagers. They're unable to let go of tasks, right? right. If, if something happens, um, you know, they're always grabbing the task back and not letting their team do it. Um, they get down when they're not perfect. So they're down on themselves if something goes wrong and, and they right. want to be 100% flawless. So unlike the expert, they're a perfectionist. And so it's hard for them to let go of the task because they feel like they'll be frustrated if the results aren't what they uh, uh-huh. uh, they'll check a project multiple times um, and they come off to the team as a micromanager because they keep checking in on you like you don't mm-hmm. know how to do your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't achieve the highest results at work, uh, you get down on yourself and dwell on it for a few days. Right. That's and a perfectionist we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know one of them. Don't you? Right. Yeah, yeah. When you yeah. complete a task or project, everything you do has to be 100% flawless. So, you know. These these people, when they feel like imposters, they start to experience like high levels of anxiety, doubt, mm-hmm. worry, yep. because they are, they have extreme goals that they're trying to reach, and they're dissatisfied with work that's not perfect, mm-hmm. and they tend to focus on areas where uh, they could have done better rather than celebrate the things that they do do. Okay. So that doesn't. <laughs> seem What's the next that's, one? The natural genius is somebody that uh, does every day, ta- thinks that everyday tasks should be simple. They're the smartest person in the room. You know, those people that have to be mm. the smartest person in the room mm-hmm. believes better on their own. So they, they'd rather do things on their own and not get the contributions of other. Right. And they stray away from anything new because they need to be the natural genius that they're not going to be if they do take on new things. Um, they um, despise having any form of authority or a mentor over them because they believe they can do better on their own without wow. that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So how, so, so this is interesting at, at this point, now that you've gone through the professional natural genius and what was the first one? The perfectionist, the expert, the, and the natural The expert, genius. yes, yes. So then when you're going through those, how do those people become high achievers, though? So because I mean, I, because it's a lot of, I mean, it sounds like so many barriers to productivity, so many barriers to partnership, so many barriers to, like, all the things necessary to be successful and be a high achiever. How, how, does, how does one become a high achiever with all those well, I, I think Detriments. like anything, I think that any, anything takes work, right? So it's like, even if you're naturally like for, for me, some things have come very easy to me right. in life, of course. Uh, but some things don't, right? Like yeah. uh, I've shared before that I'm an introvert, mm-hmm. but I tend to manage huge teams of people yeah. and that doesn't seem to go Which together. Which forces you to engage a lot. Yes. Yes. Which which means that that part of myself, in order to be successful, I had to recognize was not going to help me be yeah. successful. And then I had to Develop. constantly, yeah. yes, do the yeah. things that, but while I was doing that, I didn't feel like an imposter, but I see, could see how that's somebody, what I'm talking about. 
Come on. But listen. You're about I to prove my whole point right now. No, no, no. I think that some people can feel like an imposter. And where I have felt like I, I don't get anxiety and I don't, you know, I don't flip out. I don't spin <laughs> out. But um, I, I think where I could potentially feel a little bit uneasy is um, when I take on um, a lot of times I'll get pr- promotion opportunities. And when I first get whatever that opportunity is, when I don't know all of the things about the role. Okay. I, all right. I that makes sense. I feel a little bit, you know. Like, what am nervous. I doing? Like, how, yeah. Like, how did, what am I doing? Like, what do I do with this? Right. Not even what am I doing here? Because, you know, you deserve to be there. But mm-hmm. what I, what do I do with this opportunity? Like, how do I, you know, because I'm only going, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I'll fake. I fake it till I make it. Right. I'm. I've got that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. I um. You know. I. There's a lot of the components, obviously, that I can relate to, um, whether it be by experience or be by, um, you know, pieces of the puzzle of me. You know, I do see some of those those pieces in different ways, and so I can recognize some of the areas that I probably need to. Uh, pay attention to as well, thinking about this topic. But, you know, I think the thing that I keep going to, I I think we're all developing. I think we're all supposed to develop. I think we're all supposed to go after things that we think that we can impart and and provide contribution to that we can make, you know, grow or more profitable, um, whether we have every single thing on the list or not. But I don't think that's being fraud. I think being I think the fraud part and I think you really kind of gave me some clarification on it. But the fraud part is where I have the, the issue. But I do see the point that you made last. And that was about the fact that sometimes you get offered some a, uh, a position, an opportunity, a business idea, you know, and you know why, why they're offering it to you because you know what you do, but you don't know exactly what to do with the opportunity to maximize it and maximize it for everybody involved at the point that you got it. So it feels imposterish i guess what do you think yeah you know did i did i break it did i did i did i say what you said back to you <laughs> you kind of did but you know there's a couple more there's just two more uh that i kind of want to hit just because i want people to recognize if they're imposters or not <laughs> right 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 <laughs> right so, right uh, so talk to me i'll solo- talk back yeah the soloist uh, which is they enjoy working alone, take over projects, believe they can do it themselves and also refuse help when mm-hmm. it's offered to them. Uh, they also are to known, they're known to be the rugged individualists. They prefer to work alone and tend to believe that asking for help will reveal their incompetence. Ooh, okay. Okay. A soloist would typically turn down help so they can prove their worth as an individual. These ones I see a lot at work. And it drives me insane because I'm like, um, you know, I'm like, I like, I'll be like, if you did, you know, when people get on pips or performance evaluation plans, right, right, right. And I'll right. be like, well, if you didn't know how to do it, why didn't you just ask? Yeah. Like, like in my mind, I'm always like, why didn't you just ask? Right. But, then, but they don't want to expose. You know, they don't want to expose exactly. that. They don't want to, especially if I'm on a pip. If I'm on a pip, I got to go get the answers and make this shit work. I can't I can't give you more reason to be like, oh, man, what is, you know, you don't know that. You don't know that. You know what I mean? 
Although yeah. as a, as a as a owner and a manager and a director in other positions that I've been in, those you don't want that, and you yeah. think you're offering like a life jacket, right? You think that you're like, hey, talk to me because I I can you know whatever that way we can really figure out what where the missing piece is and we can get it to you and everybody's happy. That's what we thinking, but the person that you're saying that to is like. Now nah, I'm about to expose another thing that I don't know, which might be the last straw. And I don't, you know, and so that's why that, that connection never happens. But it's really, really bad. These, these folks, I see them all the time and I'm like, okay. like, Hey dude, like, but I always tell my managers who are managing. Which one are people, we talking about? Are we talking about the soloist? Yeah. We're talking about the ru- the one right be- is the oh so the, well, the, the whole rugged and all that that was all the soloist? That's all the soloist. Dang, the soloist got a long paragraph, man, by itself. They, they, they did, here's these people, the thing is I'll tell my managers, like, they'll be like, Well, you know, I told him to do it and he just didn't do it. Or I told her to do it and she just didn't do it. Right. I'm like, Well, are you sure she knows how to do it? Well, it's her job. Okay, but are you sure she knows how to do it? I didn't ask if it was her job. Yeah, yeah. Most likely she's not telling you she doesn't know how to do it. You're not coaching, bro. You are not coaching. You're managing, but you're not coaching. Right. If you're a coach, you know know your team. You know know who can run up the hill or who who can't. You know that, right? So, but if you're managing, then then you're you're not coaching. So those managers need some extra support, too. Yeah, you know, I just think that it's really um it's 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 a really interesting one and I think it's really hurtful to people and I I really would hope if they're suffering from imposter syndrome and that's the reason they're not asking for the help they need that back. they yep, they, right. they don't do that because it could be the difference between one your performance review, second yep. your job, right? Or or just you yeah, I mean I think all of it's just those two for sure because those determine how you, what your lifestyle is. But mm-hmm. beyond that, like, you know, we should, I mean, you got to believe in yourself. So if you have that right. central part, a part of it is there's a lot of deficiencies in kind of how you feel about yourself through every single one of those. Right. right if you, if you can't more. work with other people, like if you can't work with other people, if you, if you worrying about, you know, all kind of the list of a litany of things, then you are not happy as a person. <laughs> so I think that it's important that, you know, if you got imposter syndrome and we always push and, and encourage therapy on our, uh, on this podcast. So I'm like, yo, there, I think, I think that if you have any of these indications, maybe I need to go get some too then because I know maybe. there was a few of those. That, I was I might be a combination of a couple of them. Well, there's but, uh, one more. Oh There's no! Goodness gracious! I'm sorry, and people. I'm, I got ahead I of am. us again. What is this? This one? one. This is the one that I am, which is the super. Oh, you identify with this one? Yes. Okay. So work. You work Let's long hours. You put work before yourself, and you're always trying to prove your worth. Uh, you you overwork and surpass the amount of time everyone else stays in the office on a regular mm-hmm. basis. You push yourself ahead of the necessary work that needs to be completed. You find any downtime to be you find any downtime to be wasteful and unproductive and you try to prove your worth by working harder than everyone else to show you truly deserve the job title. Mm. 
Superheroes often excel in all areas, mainly because they push themselves so hard and many workaholics can be classified as a superhero. This overload of work will eventually result in burnout, Mm -hmm. which can affect your physical health, Mm -hmm. your mental well-being and relationships with others. Now, this one, I've always said to you, and I'm going to get real personal on this podcast. (laughs) Right, right. If you look at my life overall... Yeah. I got a lot of areas right. Like bing, Oh, bing, without bing, a doubt. Bing. Yeah, without a doubt. But but there were a couple of areas that suffered as a result. And although I had relationships, I did not choose to get married. Mm-hmm. Right. And I had right. opportunities to do that, which right. I didn't take. Right. And then I also sometimes have let uh, my own physical health. Yep. Uh, not be at his peak. Yep. Not be at his peak because I'm overworking and I'm not taking the time for myself. That's right. To exhaust added, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think added pressure, especially on single parents. Yes. Oh, without doubt. Person that holds the responsibility for the household um, on your back by yourself. I do think that this superhero syndrome can show up and probably be very detrimental. And then the other thing is, is that. I think people of color feel like mm-hmm. they have to be superheroes in order to prove their worth to the company, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. especially as they excel, um, a lot of times because people believe they got their role because of affirmative action or some kind of like, you know, luck right. or some kind of quota. They always feel like they have to constantly prove themselves when they should be able to just do their job like anyone else and not right. have all that worry. Right. Right. No, I think that that's a so, huge point because we we, you know, in the in, it's funny because you opened us up talking about how you know our parents, and and to a certain extent, I think this is absolutely true, probably for many, many of us, no matter what your situation is, that your parents tell you, "Hey, man, you could be anything you want in this world. You could be this. You could be the president. You could be everything, right?" But at the same time, you know, your last point, you know, to me makes it even more clear that they also said you got to work twice as hard as everybody else. Like I remember hearing, you know, mm-hmm. growing up hearing, Hey, you got to work twice as hard. You got to, you got to work harder and, and spend more time and put more in than everybody else in order to, to get the opportunities and to make, make it happen. Right. So what a, what a, you know, on one end, they're telling us you could be anything on the other. And they're like, in order to be anything, <laughs> you gotta be, you know, you gotta be twice, 10 times, you know you uh, what it is. Yeah. In order to in order to get there. And I think that that was just, you know, them preparing us, knowing the challenges that without us being, you know, for any other reason, but to know the challenges and why and and how to, you know, how to still maneuver. So that that's that's interesting how those two things um, were told at the, almost in the same breath. Yeah, so this one comes up and this is how it shows up. Like, so we should tell people how they might be suffering from this. Okay. So it shows up in a, a vicious cycle of anxiety. Mm. Um, so feelings of anxiety of your capabilities for achieving your goals, followed by a short-term relief when you achieve the goal, but mm. then more anxiety as a result of not feeling good enough. So it's like a little bit of a cycle of anxiety. Right. right. Um, low self-confidence, which I don't think neither of me or you suffer from, but yeah, at, least not, at least not outwardly, you know, what <laughs> I mean? at least not, not, not for everyone to see, but you know, at times yeah. brother be feeling yeah. like I'm not uh, on top of the world today. 
Yeah. So that's true. That's true. People can't see everything that's going on. So uh, fear, fear of failure, self-doubt. Mm. Um, am I good enough? Fear, fear of uh, lack of achievement. Will it be mm. good enough? What I'm turning over, will it be good enough? Will I let people down? Mm. And then the fear of success. If I succeed, will I be good enough to continue? So all of that self-confidence that's, that's a big one. come up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, and that's I a can big see one. that like, I don't, I don't, I don't think I suffer as far as like, I don't think, am I good enough? But when I turn something over, sometimes a lot of times I tell you, I deal with a lot of the legal teams. Yeah. When I turn over something, I wonder if it's going to be good enough for, for it to prove whatever I'm asking. That's right. Of course. Right. Yeah. And then I also don't like to do things twice. So when I turn something over, even if it's a rough draft, I don't want to have to do it over and over again. So you know, that kind of will wear, wear on me like, oh my God, am I going to have to do this again? No, you know? Yeah. We have, we, we have more similarities than, than I even remember sometimes. <laughs> Goodness right? gracious. Yeah, man. And then a strong need to be the best. So perfectionist in all things, setting unrealistic outcomes, setting yourself up to fail and not achieving by creating unrealistic goals. Example, mm-hmm. Example, passing an exam with a mark of 70, but being disappointed that you didn't achieve 100%. This in college was a big deal to me. Yeah. Like, and I kind of passed it on to Zion, which I'm sure he didn't appreciate. But mm-hmm. like, if he came home and he was like, Mom, I got to see, I'm like, see, it's not a good grade. Right. I would tell him that all, like, everything right, right, he got right. ever. But, was you, like, but you told him that because you told him because you knew he could do better than that. So I feel like. Right. I, I don't. I feel like because I'm the same way, and and it's funny because you talk about you know in college you were very strict on yourself about that. I was never strict on myself about that. <laughs> I should have been because I really have always have had the have had the like the capability right and the capacity. And you're way better at writing these decks sometimes than me. So, but, so yeah, so yeah. that you know. But my daughter, my oldest, oh she's she done she's absolutely like four point plus. No yeah. matter, yeah, like, like, and we'll, and I have to like get her not to stress out about it. Like, chill out, man. It's okay, you, you know. Yeah. Ninety five is good. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, cool, you know. It's okay. But um, but yeah. yeah. So so you told him that because you knew he could do better. Now if if they if they did their best that you know, and they gotta see how 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 did you handle that. Were you just as, were you just as, uh, got demanding on it or were you like, okay, you, you, I saw the the amount of work you put down on, on that and you really gave it your best and, you know, we don't want that. And that's not, that can't become a trend, but we'll take this one. I mean, I'm going to say I'm a kind parent, so I'll, I, I might be like, well, did you didn't study enough? And then I'll let off of that. And then I'll go back to being the good parent and console okay. you because the grade is already, you already got the grade. Yeah, you're feeling but the you, pain and you're going to feel the pain because now it's part of your GPA. Right. But <laughs> but I was, I like told Zion, poor kid, I told him like, hey, you can do okay up until 10th grade. Okay. And then, and then you got to get out. 11th and 12th, you got to, like, yeah. so this yep. is the last year I remember telling him in ninth grade, this is the last year I can see those kind of grades or you're not yeah. going to college. Like straight yeah. up, like he was yeah. like, whoa, yeah. you're a this little is, bit of got... a tiger mom. Okay? <laughs> your tiger mom, like, I was going to say. <laughs> you're a little bit too much mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Wow. But he knew that that was my expectation. And, you know, what's interesting, you know, when you have kids, you never know how these lessons are going to turn out because you're just you're just shooting from the hip. You know, yeah, 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 (laughs) you try to try to mold you try to mold the clay the way you hope that it would go. Sometimes it don't go that way, though. Right. And so, I, you know, when he got into college and he, you know, he told me one time he's like, I didn't even want to go to college. It's like if you didn't like do this, beat this situation into my head since I was right. a little. Right, right, I, right. I might have on my own chose not to forego this. Mm-hmm. I think he's happy now he did it. Yeah. But I, I definitely think that that influence in me, like, see, it's not a good grade. By 10th grade, you need to do, you know? Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like my plan for his life was like, you better get on the program. At least you're going, at least you're going to get an undergrad, minimum. Yes. My, um, It's funny because my mom did that with me. She was like, no matter what, she was like, I don't care what it take, what we got to do, no matter what, you are going to college. Like, you are going to, you know, so... So and I'm glad because I was I at that point, there was some things going on with my family that that I was like, no, I'm going to stay home and, and be here and, you know, and take care of, you know. But she was like, nope, you got to go. You got to go now. So I felt like like you were just saying my plan for you, if I didn't have nothing else to do the rest of your life, <laughs> my plan for you was to get to college and you was going to college. And so that so. Yeah, that's how that so, was. So, see, thank you. Yeah, your yeah, mom's yeah. on the Kathleen same. Floyd. Was saying, Did you think? Yes. Shout, shout out, Kathleen Floyd. Um, the other thing was okay. So, unwillingness to internalize positive feedback. So, unable to take on board, board um, constructive criticism to improve. Instead, of viewing it as a negative outcome, confirming your thoughts of inadequacy. Mm-hmm. You know this. Um, this situation, I think, is just tough for people in general is the constructive criticism moment where Mm -hmm. um, I literally in in my last role told my team probably for the first three months that criticism was a gift in almost every meeting. It really is. It really is. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. One of my mentors told me. If it comes from the right place. Right. That's what one of my mentors told me. He said, see it he goes criticism is a gift because the person giving it if the person cares about you enough then they really want to see you get it's better. really constructive and yes because there's two there's a, there's a difference right yeah constructive yeah. criticism if it's constructive criticism then it's supposed to build right yes. it's supposed to 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 uncover and it's supposed to build the other kind of criticism or or you know there are managers that are out there or, or, you know, bosses out there that, you know, they take some kind of pleasure in demeaning and yeah. beating down and, you know what I mean? Like, uh, um, you know, puffing, you know, just just being, you know, in a way where they're they're, you know, demeaning someone. And and, and that's a difference. And then pe- but those type of those type of bosses and directors and managers or whoever supervisors those are usually the ones that say, well, they won't take good constructive criticism. But they criticism yeah, but, not constructive. Yeah. But you know what? You can really push somebody to give better criticism, I think. And, yeah. and once I realized it was a gift and, and like. So you um, said managing up then. Are you talking about you can you can yeah, the person above you, you can. OK, how do you so do that? Give, give some pointers on how to do that. Yeah. That's a that's a real skill that somebody would need to know right there. 
like they'll say, you know, Sia, like, let's just, we're going to make a fake scenario, a hypothetical scenario here. Yes. They'll be like, of Sia, in, in the meeting when you brought X up, I really don't think that that was the right time to do that. Mm. And then, I, then my response might be, really? Why do you think that that was not the right time? Okay. And then they'll say, oh, because, you know, the people in the room, it were, you know, there were, it was too high of a level of a meeting, right? Mm-hmm. You should have brought that, de- you know, that detail up at a, a different time, right? So let's say that oh, that okay. Thing. okay. And I'll say, you know, I'll say something like, okay, I understand. Maybe next time I'll take that under consideration. But you, how do, do you, you suppose? Do you, you, so you say maybe next time I'll take it? Like, yeah, I haven't, you, I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's good. But you don't have to take everybody's criticism. That's you know, true, but I'm, that's I still, true. And I've got to process it, right? I have to process it. And I'll say, I mean, what I was trying to do was, right. you know, give an awareness Intent. of the underlying issue right, that, that was yep. going to come, right? And so although it wasn't at that level, if they didn't realize that that was the, you know, building blocks for the problem that they were identifying, then I felt like it would, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. Right. Like, and so then it becomes a conversation where the person who's giving you the criticism has to also take the thought out. No, yeah. but they have to discuss the thought out all the way okay. so that you can process all the pieces of it. Because mm. if, what I find about managers that are not good is they'll make a comment like, that like oh you shouldn't have brought that up in the meeting but that's right. all they say right so then you walk away and you'd be like okay well the next time you bring up something similar in the meeting because they didn't vet the whole point out to you right. and so you don't really realize like okay well maybe what he's really trying to say or what she's really trying to say is that the that that meeting level is mm-hmm. not appropriate for that type of content. And I could have brought it up in a different way so that I was still saying the same thing at that level and then bringing up the details later. But if I don't vet that conversation out, I don't get it. So what I'm saying is when you're managing up, I think it's important to ask follow-up questions that elicit an answer that the criticizer has to give you so that you can process make it a, make it a discussion make it, it a conversation it's a discussion turn it exactly. into a conversation because then then we both get built a little bit off of it right yeah and you get and and they get an opportunity to feel like they got a chance to say what they mean what they meant to say right mm-hmm. and then it also gives you a chance to like okay dig deeper like okay well what how would you how would you handle this if you were in my position or what would the what are you looking for in that type of situation and then you also get an opportunity to say well this is what it was and mm-hmm. I think intent, I think your point about intent is very important because if, you know, if I'm clear on your intent, I could almost take just about anything that you, you know, that you give, you know, as far as, as far as criticism, if I feel like your intent is to literally be about us growing from this situation and, and things getting better and improving because, you know, because of this, then I can hear just about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, but if I feel like, like I said, you know, going back to my point, if I feel like you're just trying to diss me, then I, you know, and I feel like your intent is to like bully me or be some kind of, I, I, man, I get my patience is zero. Yeah. You know, but I, I mean, I, I, I get and I've, like and I've expressed that. that before. Like, there's been situations where I've been like, hey, listen. This is the best way to approach me. If you don't, yeah. if, if you approach me other ways, then you're not going to get the response that you that you're looking for. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I I think that I mean I, I have I've I've had growth in the criticism area substantially in the in the last five or six years where at first I just couldn't really take it and I felt always like a lawyer defending myself right, against right. whatever the criticism that was coming. And then when I had that mentor and leader that kind of just pulled me aside and he was like, criticism is a gift. And then he would be like, play the game. He taught me so many things about the way that I had to look at business differently yeah. than my natural response to yeah. it. And I was so thankful for him. He's still my mentor this to this day. And um, I, I always call him like when I get a new role or mm-hmm. when I'm going for a new role. And he's like, you know, he he, he always says, oh, I'm so I'm so, um, you know, just to watch you grow over yeah. the years, like the yeah. way that you couldn't take criticism. And I was like having to remind you to take it. And now that it beca- it's become something that you just do and you you share with your teams. Mm-hmm. He's like, it, it's it's really great because I actually took that to heart with what the things he was trying to teach me instead of rejecting it, you know? That's right. But I think that, I think your intent, you know, and I know I'll keep beating this dead horse, but I think your, your intent is right though. Like you want to, you want to retain people. You want to, you want to build your team. You want to help them, you know, progress and grow. And, and, you know, of course you want it to, to um, positively impact the bottom line of the company and the, and everything that in, in heating your goals and that whole thing. But your intent is always like, you know, if I'm, if I'm getting down on you, it's because I'm getting on down on you because you're not doing, you're not, you're not putting your best into this situation and you're, and you could do better. Right. Or, or like you said, I haven't taught, I obviously you didn't pick this part up in the training. Let me make sure that you have the tools you need in order to, to be successful here because I want you to be successful. That's in that intent in itself to me, you know, and everything that comes with it is what makes it, makes it work. And I've, and I've grown some people that I didn't think at first when I met them were going to go there. I, I, I right. almost thought, Oh my gosh, you might be a lost cause. Maybe I should just yeah, take up yeah, a different one. You know what I mean? Of course. But, but when they open themselves up and they really listen to you and they really know that you care about their, success and you there care you about them growing, then yep. I think people take the the information you're giving to them as hard as it is for them to hear in a in a different way. So I, yeah, definitely. I think we, we we kind of talked through that one. The last one is self-sabotage. And I oh boy. <laughs> I think a lot of people do this in life in their relationships, yeah. all kinds of things. So oh, yeah. oh, at yeah. work. Um, I definitely could see that this could be a problem and that's experience a constant internal struggle between achieving the success and avoiding being found out. The struggle prevents many from reaching their potential because they're constantly sabotaging themselves every time they do achieve something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's tough right there. That's tough just in general life. So, you know, it's going to be tough for those who experience that in business. Well, I've seen people do it like, you know, like when somebody will be like, that was a great reporter. That was a great presentation mm-hmm. or we really loved your presentation. They'll be like, oh, I spent um, five minutes on it. I did it yes. right before the meeting. What kind yeah. of dumbass? <laughs> why would you say some shit like that? I don't I've heard that. And, I'm, and I've, I've seen people get, you know, even kids like get get. So it's happened to me like Jordan will come and be like, I got 100 on that. But I I did it during like lunchtime before class. 
Hey man, I'm not happy about that no more. Like I don't like that's not that's like but I've seen that at work. You are absolutely right. Like and but but they'll tell they'll tell their superiors, like they'll yeah, tell their their you know up that. up management about it and be like, Yeah, I I you know, I got drunk like I have heard <laughs> so many listen, I have heard so many of the best I wish I could have recorded all of them. So many of the best, like why why the hell would you say that? Like maybe we should have a segment. We should have a segment of our show that says, Why the hell would you say that? And then we come with like four or five every single episode. But I you know, there'd be stuff like, Why didn't you why didn't you answer your email? We've been emailing you all day for two, three. Um, well, I fell asleep. Yeah. And or I had to uh I had to take a nap or I had to uh I took my dog for a walk. Like these are things that you don't you don't have to say. Like just say I was I was inaccessible. You know what I mean? Just say I, I you know I'll make sure that I I watch you know watch my my email or check my phone more frequently or some kind of solution to the problem. But you don't say I spilled my coffee on I spilled my coffee and so I had to go pick it up and then after I had to go pick it up I had to go change my clothes and then I had to go change my clothes. So that's why I missed that meeting. I hate when people are like, well, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, sometimes, I, sometimes I do keep it real with people who are close to me and I know no judgment. It's a mm-hmm. judgment free zone. And I'll be like, like one day, I don't know if I should say this, but one day I was supposed to be in a meeting, but the person didn't send me a meeting maker. Right. But oh. they had sent me an email and said, can we have the meeting on Monday? But since neither one of us put the meeting maker on, I totally forgot. If it's not on my meeting maker, then I was. Right, 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 right. And so that morning I thought I had extra time. You know, everybody's working from home. I did go get coffee. Mm-hmm. And then the person called me. I wasn't even at the house. The person called me. Oh, you're supposed to be on the meeting. I was like, oh, damn it. But it was like a meeting where I actually physically had to do something. So there oh. was no way. For me to be like, and that's the thing the about phone. me. Yeah, like there's conference calls I can take, go grab my coffee and still be engaged right. in the conference call. Right. But a lot of times I'm presenting in some way or having right. to do some active part where, and yeah. then now uh, the funniest thing about working from home, and we had a whole episode, if mm. you guys check that out, a lot of people loved that yeah. episode in the beginning yeah. of COVID. Um, we might have to do working from home revisited in the new hybrid model. Let's do that. that. Kind of Let's do that. But um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's real challenging. So I won't always tell on myself, like I don't always tell myself, I can't trust you. I ain't telling myself, you right. don't know where I am. I'm sitting right here all the time doing everything I'm supposed to be. Doing. That's right. But, that's right. But I do think all three that, screens yeah, up Got all yeah, three screens up at all times, at all times. But, but I do think that I have heard people yeah, kind of like not be able to see that when they say things like that, like, I don't ever really pay attention or I didn't hear that person. I'm like, who are you? Do you know who I am? Like, I do know who you're talking to right now. Like mm-hmm. I am your boss's boss. Like, I don't know if it's like they get way too relaxed or, you know, we go out and have happy hour and then they yeah, start to, and then now, Yeah. And oh, happy hour. I, I, I don't happy hour. will will I, I don't, I don't do that no more. I stopped doing that a long time ago. I stopped. I've stopped. Like you're not happy anymore. After I'm super happy, hour? and and we can do <laughs> we can do lunch. 
Like I do lunch, <laughs> but but I, I I remember my dad told me a long time when I started like really managing folks and managing teams and you know being responsible for you know operations um, that you have to like kind of change how you move a little bit. You know what I mean? And you know because I was one of the people that you know kind of progressed from you know on the on the, the ladder. Yeah, yeah. And so. You know, you all start out at the same spot. Mm-hmm. You know, like most of your peers, you start out at the same, you know, kind of same level or, you know, that kind of thing. And so as I as I progressed, I had to be like, yeah, I'm cool. I'll let y'all in the morning. So, so here's <laughs> the thing. I still do happy hours sometimes. And most of the time it's because I think it's good if it. you can do it because because I think it's a bonding experience. But yes. people got to know the, the 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 rules on happy hour, though. But listen, like, I don't want to hear I all am, that stuff that, a, that I don't that you, I should not be hearing. Well, that's not what bothers me, but I don't I don't drink very much at mm-hmm. all. And I always stay in control, as everybody knows. So I might have one drink or two drinks at the most. Right. And all the rest of you fools are drinking like five, six, seven drinks. Just realize that I am always sober, always. Exactly. Sober. So, and I'm always listening to what is happening. Now, I try my best to separate, you know, my right the time, right, from, right. Yes, people should have because, downtime. People yes. should have downtime. And if I'm engaging with you, then I'm obviously a participant in this downtime situation. Right. So, no doubt, it would be wrong for me to be like, okay. You're a mess. Mm-hmm. But I have said, I think on this podcast, that one of my companies at a Christmas party that went way wrong yes. is that, you know, it was technically on a Saturday, but the person ends up getting fired because they do, they get drunk and they do something crazy at the Christmas party. Hey, and, listen. And it's because of alcohol. So alcohol and drugs can ruin your life. So oh, you know I've had to put, we I've had to, to with, with other, their, with their coworkers, help drag people like into a cab or or like back to their room at, at conferences and stuff like that right like oh you know and and that person comes comes to the next day of of meetings like you know they got the worst hangover in the on the planet looking disheveled and all jacked up and and I'm sitting there and I'm like the Listen, uh, we had a, this is, this is a good topic though. I know we're going a little off topic with this imposter syndrome, but this self-sabotage. Yeah. I have been at a summit where a person got so drunk that they ended up laying on the bathroom floor in the restaurant that we were in, but nobody could find them. And we were near the water. Mm -mm. So we thought the person had fell into the water (gasps) because everyone was searching for the person for like an hour. And the person actually was laying on the bathroom floor and all the women who had went in the bathroom to check didn't notice the how, person how, wait, laying. How they didn't notice notice because her I laying in the floor? I think that um, she, she or he were handling their business, getting the alcohol part of it out of them. Uh-huh. And when the when they were throwing up went into in the, the bathroom. They were yeah. in the toilet area. Yeah, but then okay, when we it. came back, they were laying on the floor, but we didn't realize it because we had already checked. So we didn't, you know what I mean? Anyway, the scuba divers in and all that. I mean, that. No, but we were getting pretty worried. We wanted to do stuff like that, but I just, um, <laughs> you're like, check the bathroom first. What? You're like, check the bathroom first I was like, before we call the police. 
Well, and put a, a missing persons, missing persons yes. uh, report. And we had like an 8 a.m. meeting the next morning. And I was thinking to myself, like, are you going to be? And that person had to control the whole thing. Oh, and wow. I was like, the next day, that person was totally embarrassed. Totally I'm embarrassed. sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And, and, and anxiety because you don't know that you even have a job after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that is that is absolute like cause for termination, right? There's certain things that are, you know, conduct wise that are absolutely cause for termination. Yeah. So you don't know, you know, so obviously, you know, this doesn't sound like that person got fired. So they're OK. Everything's worked no, out. No, they I mean, I, I you know, the, I, I think they're still there. I, I don't I know. Oh, OK. It's that company it's years ago. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. But but. But I'm just saying, like, I just think don't self-sabotage your, yourself, not in imposter syndrome and not at conferences yeah. or summits or anywhere where if you're going to drink and the liquor's flowing free, and I understand it's free, just make sure that you have whatever you set that limit at, whatever is the limit of alcohol that your body can actually take. And please eat. But see, that's maturity, though. That's drink. maturity. That's just general basic maturity to me I know, but that's a problem maturity don't have nothing to do with age i know but i'm just saying like by now you should have learned a lesson or two in I, your i feel you i feel you but i that's the thing that i always tripped off of like you know come on bro you know your body right yeah and that second hint double hennessy kicking in you should probably be like i'm good let me drink water the rest of the night that's all i'm saying yeah your responses are slow. I mean, I'm just slow in general <laughs> today. <laughs> Anyways, I mean this this subject is really a hot topic, and it's coming up. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because I I had no idea. I'm still struggling with the fraud situation because I feel like because you just you can don't be want authentically. To be a fraud. Yeah, and I think I think you can authentically be, you know, less qualified for something that you go after. No matter what, I think that, you know, I mean, you should meet the, you know, you should meet the criteria, but at the same time, ambition, you know, but I did learn a lesson a long time ago. I will tell you that I got told one time I I was going after a position and I was very clearly, I felt like I was very clearly qualified for it, that I was, you know, prepared, all that good stuff. And someone told me that you... Sometimes you, you, you're you not ready for you what you think you're ready for, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I felt like they were still wrong. And so I just took another path and got busy anyways. But it was, uh, it, it's that was an interesting lesson. But I, And I think that there, there, I think that's a possibility, though. I think that to avoid imposter syndrome to a certain degree, you know, stay in your lane until you're prepared to get in another lane. Fake it till you make it and do a good job of it. And ladies or men, let me just say, you don't have to know everything. No, you but don't. what you do need to you need to do is be a quick learner. So all of those who uh, are experiencing, uh, actively experiencing, have experienced imposter syndrome, we feel being for an you. imposter right now. Yeah, yeah, or doing it or, or going through it right now. Listen, or keeping it real. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Faking it till you make it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, all of it is good. You know, you, you get no judgment on this scene, so you're you're good with us. Um, but get with whatever training. Yeah, you need, skills. Whatever skill you need. 
because we want to see you rise and we want to see you win. So, you know, all of those, uh, what, let's run down the, run down the list. Professional. Per, no, or, perfectionist. Or no, perfectionist. Solo, solo, solo artist. Uh, natural genius. Yes. Uh, uh, Superhero. Superhero. Self-sabotager. No, there wasn't wasn't a self-sabotager. What are you talking about? That that was heavy right there. So I I wanted to bring it back. The expert. The expert. Expert was that. So anybody feeling any of that and doing any of that, get what you need in order so that you can not be an imposter in your syndrome. Exactly. This was The Cogent Code. Thanks for listening. Peace. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do?